Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Karen Rockhind. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. It's been so fun talking before we came on the air. And for everybody that doesn't know Karen yet, you're about to find out because Karen is actually a leading expert on life purpose, women's thriving, and positive psychology, the science of human flourishing. She's the creator of Purpose Girl, which is a movement of empowerment or of empowering purpose-driven living, and she's the founder of Women's Global Happiness Day, the first ever worldwide initiative to eradicate the women's depression epidemic. This event actually took place 98 times in 19 countries and on six continents in its inaugural year of 2018. Now, having overcome armed robbery, domestic abuse, and divorce, Karen has a way of connecting with others and showing them how to be the creator of their own lives, how to overcome challenges and grow from trauma and turn that pain into purpose. Now, as the former happiness guru on SiriusXM's Morning Show for Women, and as a keynote speaker for conferences and companies, she has actually helped thousands of people live to their fullest potential. Now, she's currently on the faculty of the Flourishing Center in New York, and she's the host of the globally ranked self-help show, The Purpose Girl Podcast. She's a runner, a writer, and a dancer. She lives outside Philadelphia with her husband, Josh, and her labradoodle, Charlie. Karen, do me a favor, take a minute and just kind of let us in on how you got started doing this amazing work, because I know you said you started in corporate world. Yeah, wow, thanks, Ken. I really appreciate that that full and lovely introduction. I got started because, and this will dive right into talking about partnerships as well, I followed kind of the the Barbie and Ken perfect life idea. Um, I got married when I was 22 uh, to tall, dark, handsome on his way to be a lawyer. We um, had the big house by 24 and the golden retriever and I found myself miserable. And I would cry almost every single day. And my husband would be like, what is wrong with you? And I would say, I'm not happy. He's like, what do you mean you're not happy? We have everything, everything that we've ever wanted. And I really thought something was wrong with me because I did have everything that we set out for, the perfect life. And I just kept feeling like I'm here for more, like there's something else for me. And I just didn't know what it was. And we ended up getting divorced when I was 26. And mm -hmm. that actually started my journey to say, well, if the perfect life didn't make me happy, what would? And I started experimenting with different things that I thought would light me up, including volunteering with high school girls. And I don't know what high school was like for you, Ken, but for me, it was a real mixed bag. And these girls, while they were so excited about their future, 
they also felt pressure that they were supposed to go to a certain college or, you know, they weren't as smart as their older sibling or they weren't pretty enough or, you know, what was their sexual orientation? Several of them had eating disorders. I mean, there was a lot. And all I could do is see each one for their unique beauty. And I just found this love of empowering them and lifting them up and showing them that they can be anything in the world. And this is almost 20 years ago. So this is before self-help really, or before I knew about it and before there were coaches. And I just got such a high out of empowering these girls. And at the same time I started, there weren't even blogs back then. It was like a message board, but I started Mm -hmm. participating on this message board for other young divorced women and communicating with these women and telling them we can do it. We got this light at the end of a tunnel. What do we really want in life? And it was basically like I was coaching these women. Next thing I know, they made me the leader of the board and my whole life became around became about empowerment, right? Girls and women's empowerment. And I was like, this is amazing. How do I turn this into a career? And I'll get into it in future questions, but the, oh, I may as well get into it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to turn it into a career. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'd never heard of life coaching and the only motivational speaker I knew was Tony Robbins. And he was like way too big. And everybody, you know, would say to me, oh, you want to be Oprah? I'm like, yes, that is so true. I think we all want to be Oprah a little bit, you know, Um, but how? And I couldn't figure out how and became severely depressed, like on a lot of medication and got shingles when I was only 34 years old. And then one day I was walking home um, from a bad blind date, actually. And someone followed me into my condominium building and pulled a gun. And it was when I was on the ground in the foyer of my condominium building with my hands over my head, screaming, please don't hurt me, please don't hurt me, please don't hurt me. And I thought my life was over. I saw like a vision of my grandparents at my bat mitzvah and my eighth birthday party. And I said, okay, God, it's been a good life. Tell my parents, thank you. And all of a sudden, Ken, it was like this other voice said to me, oh no, you were put on this earth for purpose and people need you. And so in that moment, I said, okay, God, if you let me live, I promise I will pursue that purpose. And exactly at that moment, the man took my purse and he ran. So I lived and I made a commitment that day that no matter what, I was going to live my life purpose and empower every single person that I came in contact with to do the same. And then I ended up going to graduate school. I left my corporate job. Um, I had 15 years in corporate. I was a vice president of marketing for an economic development firm in Cleveland. I left it all and started over in grad school when uh, I was 36. And my dad said to me, that's the stupidest decision I've ever heard. And I was shaking in my boots because I am the youngest and daddy's little girl. And uh, it turned out to be the best decision of my life. And I have just made the decision ever since then that any dream in my heart I'm going for it 100% because you never know when there's going to be a gun at your head. So we can talk more about how all these things have come about. Like I had the idea, you know, I think I want to be on the radio. And so I just started telling everybody, hey, I want to be on the radio. I want to be on the radio. And until one day someone said, hey, I know someone at SiriusXM you should talk to. And then I had to hunt this person down because... I am not Howard Stern. I have no fame around me, you know? Um, And she even said as much to me when she finally met me. And I was like, you know, gave her my 10 point, you know, PowerPoint on why she should make me a radio host. And she's like, yeah, you're not famous. You are nobody. So no. Um, But I kept at it. And eventually she said, all right, I'll put you on my morning show and see how you do. And I was on the first time. And then I went on every month for the next five years until the show was just canceled last year. So it's kind of just been 
you know, part of my philosophy is whatever is in your heart, you ask for it and you just keep going. And that wasn't even the main philosophy I was going to share because I know you always ask your guests about their main mantra and philosophy. (laughs) Well, good. Then we're going to get two. I like this. Yeah. So that's how. That's how I made that transition. You know, I just had... I, I discovered my purpose. I knew what it was. I was scared to 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 make the leap. And then when there's a gun at your head, which I I do this work so no one else has to have that gun at their head. Like let's do it before something makes us do it. Yeah, and you know, I, I love your story, Karen, because like you you had other times that you could have made that commitment, taken that step but you kind of were a little nervous and you didn't quite go there. And if we can just make that commitment before somebody needs to literally put a gun to our head, it'll be a lot easier. (laughs) Instead of going, why do I have to have a gun literally put to my head to do the thing I knew I needed to do? Exactly, exactly. And I know that you are all about saying yes to your yes Mm -hmm. and have an amazing episodes about that or, you know, kind of show within the show about that. And, that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah, absolutely. So now you got me dying to know what this other principle. So for you, what is that? What's that principle? What's the quote, <laughs> mantra, whatever you call it? What's the thing that you use to kind of stay on track when you figure you kind of got off track regarding your partnerships in your life? Yeah, it is such a good question. Because one of them is, if there was a gun to your head, what would you regret never having done? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to tell you what it is. And you know, another is every moment of our life is for purpose. Every moment of our life has been, is, and will be for purpose. And what that means is even when things are so challenging, there is something in that that is leading to the why, why we're here and the how we can live the life that we want to live. And so I firmly believe that every single one of us is here for purpose and we'd be a heck of a lot happier if we were actually living it. <laughs> and that the joys of our life have shown us what lights us up, what makes us feel passionate, what gets us excited, what makes us feel alive. And the challenges and traumas and pain of our life give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the wisdom because no one else has lived your life. So even the most painful experiences of your life, relationship, partnership, personal, each one of them, when you can really hone in on the wisdom, and it's different than a lesson, because I think a lesson feels icky. Like, I don't want to go back to school and get lessons. <laughs> I love the idea of, of receiving a, a wisdom that I then have to share with friends. I have to share with my community. I have to share, if there were an, a, a 20-year-old man or woman in front of me, what would I say to a 20 year old who was about to make the same mistake I did? And that's, I think, how we really ensure that every moment of our life was for purpose. So. Yeah. And I love the distinction you made between lesson and wisdom, because Mm. personally, I, I, my belief is that, you know, lessons come from the outside. Wisdom comes from the inside. Mm, Yes. I love that distinction. And that's why we say somebody's wise beyond their years. It's like, how do they know this? It didn't come from outside. They have a wisdom. They have a knowingness or just an understanding of that that we can't figure out how they would have that when they're six years old or whatever it is. Right, right. Yeah, it's a great distinction because it Mm -hmm. isn't about lessons. It's like there's some wisdom you will take away from any experience in your life, good, bad, or indifferent. It's like, oh, there was something here. 
What was it? Exactly. Even when we follow the we don't say yes to our yeses, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much wisdom even in going the other path, right? And that's why even that moment, right? I am a recovering beat myself upper, big, <laughs> big, right? Like my best friend and my mom have constantly been on me about how much I beat myself up. And this has been how I've been able to shift it instead of beating myself up for every little possible mistake is look at that and say, what wisdom did that give me? Or how did that contribute to me being stronger or more courageous? So it it allows us, I think, to make that shift in a really powerful way to go from ever being the victim of our life and into being the creator. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I, I'm congratulations on being recovering. Beat yourself upper. <laughs> Thank and I'm you. not saying that as a joke. I mean that. <laughs> no, it's, I know. It's a huge, Listen, huge step. It, it is. And I say recovering because I am so not perfect at this or anything. I'm also a recovering perfectionist. You know, we could list my recoverings. I don't know about you, but, um, <laughs> and that's what this life, you know, is all about. I, I used to say like, wait for when I was going to be there yet, you know, and my best friend is a social worker and, you know, for our entire friendship for 20 years, she's always said to me, we're a work in progress. And I was like, I don't want to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And she's so wise. We're all a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, if you can really take that in, that's very liberating. Yes. And sometimes it works better than others, right? So I'm not perfect at it. And again, it's, it's a practice. So when I find myself getting off track and beating myself up to come back to my, oh yeah, okay. I know this one. Let me come back and and have self-compassion, kindness. Let me come back to where's the wisdom here? And so I'll get off track. I can get off track for a half hour or for three days. And then as long as we always come back. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's true of anything. Yeah, totally. Well, it's funny because, you know, we have this quest for perfect. But if you think about it, everything we do is a practice. We have a healthy diet practice. We have a healthy, you know, spirituality practice, whatever it is. Nobody has a I have a meditation perfect. Right. <laughs> right. That's so true. So why That's do we keep so thinking we're going to find that? It doesn't exist. Mm. Oh, there are I, practices. They're all practices. That is so wise. You know, sometimes I even think to make myself feel better. You know, I bet even the Dalai Lama beats himself up sometimes. Or, you know, <laughs> I bet even he has a monkey mind sometimes where you know his brain is just going, going whack and he's got to bring himself back. And, you know, I just had someone ask me, how do you meditate? You know, how do, are you really able to shut? It was a, for another interview, actually. Are you really able to shut down your mind? And I said, no, that's not what meditation is. It's not this nirvana all the time of my, you know, being in the divine feminine. I call it empty presence, you know, where, where there's no nothing going on in my mind. I love it when my when I'm in that state. And that's not how it always is. Often my mind will wander. And then it's the practice of bringing it back to breath. And then when it wanders, the practice of bringing it back. But it's taken a long time to forgive myself for not being perfect at that, too. So and as we dive into relationships, this perfect theme is going to be a big one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hmm. So it's funny you mentioned the, the meditation thing, because I just recently got a, a, a product that actually tracks your brain activity while you're meditating. Ooh. And <laughs> I had to laugh because... The other day I was feeling pretty good about myself because it said like it has three ranges like your brain is really active, your brain's kind of neutral or your brain's calm. 
And I was feeling great because I had like 92% of the time I was either neutral or calm during my meditation. Today, I was 0.4%. <sighs> I was, my brain wouldn't slow down. Right. It's the right. exact same meditation in the exact same space. It was a total train wreck if you look at yeah. it from that. Was it perfect? No, it was horrible. It's a, it's, but it it's wasn't another because it was right. still meditation. Now I have an awareness. Oh, wow. I mean, need to pay attention. Right. right? What's going on? Where is yeah. my mind going? What is it trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. How else? Right. And it's not, we don't want to bypass any of it. And, and you know, it's so interesting. It's the same with relationships, right? It's like one of the other things I love to live by is, you know, when you sweep shit under the rug long enough, eventually it's going to start to stink. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't pay attention to something, eventually it will get to disease it will get to right so if your mind is going or if there's something going on in your relationship and you're just ignoring it because you think it's better you don't want to cause conflict or ugh, forget it it's just not worth it, it it's still there and at some point it's just going to keep getting louder and louder or show up in new bigger god forbid but gunpoint ways until you face it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so this is great because i mean one of the things that our listeners love is is our guests are so generous in sharing their own experiences, which we've already shared some. But I'm curious, like if we look at, at, at partnership in detail, like what what's a time in your life where yeah, you kind of screwed up a partnership and, and, you know, what happened? What did you trip on? What did you, you know, what was going on? And then, you know, what did you learn? Like we said, what was the wisdom you were able to take away from that and move forward with? Yeah, great question. So I mentioned that when I was younger, I married the perfect right so when i go back my parents have been happily married since they were 14. happily together since not married sorry we're not in you know 500 years ago they've been happily together (laughs) since they were 14. and they are so in love bless them they're now 74 years old they um have been married for 53 years so they're super happy my grandparents have been super happy married 68 years they were holocaust survivors they passed away within you know weeks of each other. And so I had this like beautiful image of what happiness was in life and what your life purpose is. And I had an idea of what marriage was supposed to be. And, and I really thought the way to be happy in life was get married, right? The sooner you find him or her, the better, right? Mm-hmm. And he should be like a, lock, a, a, a doctor or a lawyer to please my nice Jewish family. And, you know, it was just... And, and that's going to be happy. And so, you know, I tripped up when I followed the path that everybody else told me, right? Without questioning, is that really who I am? And in our couple of years before our marriage, I mean, my first husband and I were together for maybe five years before we got married and we would fight a lot. Mm. I mean, screaming matches and I would cry a lot and after we divorced, I got back in touch with a mentor of mine that I had had in college. She worked at the university and she said, yeah, I, I had kind of been surprised that you ended up getting married because you were fighting a lot, you know, it, but I, I so badly wanted what my parents had, mm-hmm. what my grandparents had. And I tried to do our marriage exactly like they did, which meant Right. My dad would always watch TV. My mom would be cooking dinner, even though they both had careers. My mom actually had a very big career. She ran a math, de- her college math department. She was a professor and she would travel all over the country and teach other college math professors different technology. But she still, she woke up at 7 a.m. every morning to make, or 
woke up probably earlier, but made sure by 7 a.m. all of our lunches were made, made dinner every night while my dad watched TV. And so I created the same marriage that I witnessed in my parents and grandparents, but I'm not the same person. And so that's how it would go. I did all the laundry. I did all the cooking while my husband would sit there and watch TV. And I was getting furious. I felt like I was in a box. And in the end, I was furious with him. I thought, you don't see me. But really, I created that. Mm -hmm. I set it up. And the reason I set that up is because I was really following what I thought society said I was supposed to do, what other people, the expectations, the shoulds, and not pausing to say, well, who am I? And what am I all about? And what do I want? And we ended up getting divorced. Like I said, I was 26. He was 28. And I had to really go back and say, what's my journey? Like, who am I? What am I all about? What are my guiding principles? What are my guiding values? And to ensure that whoever I was going to be with in the future, we matched in that way. We wanted the same things. And I was so angry with my first husband for a long time until I finally realized this really wasn't his fault. He was doing what also he had learned in his, right, from his, it, it really, listen, it takes takes two to tango, but I can own my stuff here and know that it really would have served us well and certainly served, whether that was us as a couple or served each of us individually well, had I paused and said, who am I? What am I all about? What's my purpose? What turns me on? What kind of partnership do I want? And then had ensured that if we could be that, great. And if not, then we each found partners that could. Nice. And I, I love what you shared there about, you know, you were trying to do the perfect marriage the way you saw it for your folks. Yeah. Yeah. Even I, though you're not your folks and right. your husband wasn't your dad and you're not your mom. And it's like, <laughs> so why did I think that would work? Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, one of the things I, I was blessed to see in my parents is that they're both career people. My mom is actually more of a career person than my dad. My dad would have happily been a stay-at-home dad, but he, now we've talked about this, he at the time felt like, well, dads don't do that. Husbands don't mm -hmm. do that, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so it was, it was, I had this blessing of seeing a mom that was high powered and career and I, I said to her once we were adults and once I had had my own understanding of what had happened, I said, why, why did you always make dad's lunch when he was coming? He came home for lunch every day. Anyway, he worked, his office was really closed. Why did you always make the dinner? And she said, you know, in my day, Karen, I felt really blessed to have a husband who let me work as much as I did. Hmm. That that you know, of course my feminist goes, I've let you, but I understood it, right? Yeah. When a lot of her friends weren't working and, and this is not like, I'm all for whatever arrangement everybody has. It's just, since I am somebody who has big purpose and I know that I, I'm a working woman, I was blessed to witness that. I just needed to understand that they were coming from a different time and now in hindsight, and the way I do my current marriage is, okay, what did I learn that I want to keep from their love? And what do I want to create that's based on my own values? What a great question. <laughs> mm -hmm. But how often yeah. do we not ask it? Right. And I think how often do we also not pause before we get into relationship to 
really do the work of saying, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, from the time we're young, we start falling in love or lust or whatever it might be and exploring different relationships and certainly, you know, friendships. We, we I've been reading this book, The Female Brain, and there is another book that she's written called The Male Brain. So that Dr. will be Lauren next. Dr. Brizendine, yes. Oh, I you know this. her. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm loving this book. It's incredible. And reading about how from the time a girl gets her period, her whole brain becomes about finding a mate, mm-hmm. right? Well, in our, what is that? That's 12, 13. And in our society, 12 and 13 year olds don't mate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and so here we, here, here I think most people, and I, and now I understand at least the female brain, I haven't yet read the male brain, most people are just trying to check off that next box and have that relationship and they think I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I have a husband, I'll be happy when I have a wife, I'll be happy when I'm in love. And now I really understand, especially after I've studied positive psychology and teach at the science of happiness and human flourishing, we actually have to know ourselves first. We have to know our own strengths, we have to know our own values. We have to feel alive and full and not look to anybody to complete us but rather to compliment us. And that's something I didn't know then. And I would love to see a lot of people slow it down. I just spoke to a woman yesterday who was 22. She listens to my podcast and she said she's basically been in in one relationship, maybe two or three, so a couple of relationships since the time she was like 15. And I was like, you are a young girl. She's so afraid to lose the current guy. And it's like, Let's even look at who are you and what you're all about in order to know, is this is this a good match for you or not? So so I, I would love to see people just kind of slow it down. Absolutely. And, you know, you're coming about, you know, what part fits here for me. It, it reminded me of one of my all time favorite quotes, and it's actually from Bruce Lee. Mm. And what he said was, absorb what's useful, mm-hmm. discard what's useless and mm. add what is uniquely your own. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because I think the third piece is what we forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're just like, oh, I just need somebody tell me how to do this. Right. But nobody's right. going to know what's uniquely your own. So right. it, you have to bring that. <laughs> nobody can tell you what's that special seasoning. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. And, you know, because... We, we do a great job in our education system of teaching kids how to read and how to do math, but not how to be happy and how to know who they are. Yeah. And it's a real miss and a real opportunity Absolutely. for education. Absolutely. I got to write that quote down and put it up on my wall. It's a good one. Yeah, it's it's a really, really powerful quote. And if you think about where he came from, an incredibly traditional culture, doing something that was totally ancient you don't change it. You're doing martial arts as they've been forever. Right. And he had to come to the awareness of some of this will be useful. Some of this won't. And my job is to bring my unique spin to it. Mm, absolutely. That's really purpose in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. That's you what know, we're here I, for is bring our own uniqueness. I always say your, your, your mm-hmm. individuality is your influence. Amen. If Amen. you're just impersonating you know. somebody else, eh, no big deal. It's kind of like if you, I remember watching, um, you know that movie Ray about Ray Charles? No, I never saw it. Oh, watch this movie. It's amazing. Okay. Um, 
there's a scene in there where Ray Charles has just got signed to a record deal. And he's in the studio and he's playing and there you you see the guys in the booth that are recording talking and they're like, what do you think? And they're like, he sounds just like Charles Brown. He sounds just like Nat King Cole. And they're like, if he doesn't have his own voice, we don't have anything. Mm. And they go out to him and, and the guy who signed him, who's a very famous record producer, um, says, hey, we signed you because we heard something in you. And Ray Charles says, I don't know how to do anything else. I got to make a living. Hmm. And he said, well, you better find it. And if you think about Ray Charles, he was amazing. And partly because of his uh, being blind, he had developed really amazing hearing. Hearing, yeah. And so absolutely. he could impersonate anybody like that. And that's what he knew could pay the bills. Right, right. But think <laughs> about if he had just done that his whole life, you would have never heard of him. Right. It's such a good point. And how many of us out there listening and just every day on the, I, I just, sometimes I just walk down the street and I think, are you happy? Like, I don't ever say this to anybody, but I think like, are you, are you just shuffling about your day mm -hmm. or are you really doing what lights you up? You know, purpose, which you and I could talk about, you know, for hours, mm -hmm. um, but I, it's been very misunderstood purpose. Yeah. People are waiting for that. What's that one thing? And they think it's a job title. Right. That it's my is my purpose to be an accountant or is my purpose to be a teacher? And, you know, and I think it gets really screwed up because people are waiting for one huge thing. And I really see purpose as actively impacting the world. In your own unique way, actively making a difference in the world in your own unique way. And, you know, to break it down even more simply, it's number one, being your true self. Mm -hmm. Which, listen, we live in a world that makes it hard to be your true self, right? Um, and we have all sorts of fear in our brain about that. But, you know, as I was I was doing one of my coaching groups last night, I have a four-month group called Empowered for Women. And, you know, a woman was saying that her mom her whole life had called her strange. And we were all like, that's what we love most about you. You know, like you're, <laughs> you're, you being quirky and different is, is the best. So it's being your true self. And mm -hmm. number two, doing what's in your heart. Right. How how often are you out there and you think, oh, I would love to start a podcast or I'd love to write a blog or I'd love to go take guitar lessons. Oh, that's stupid. I'm already 40 or 50 or you know what? And you think, oh, I, who, I, who am I? I can't. But living our purpose is being our true selves, doing what's in our heart and therefore making an impact. Because as long as you are feeling fully alive, you're going to radiate light and you're going to you're going to make an impact on everybody you meet. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's so interesting that you said, you know, this this woman said her mom kept saying she was strange. And you guys said that's what you liked about her. I was doing some research once because, you know, you probably hear this, too, where people are like, well, that's so weird. That's mm. weird. I don't want to be weird or that people mm. think that's weird. And so I wanted to find out what was the original meaning of weird, because mm. I could just tell it wasn't what we use it as the original meaning of the word weird. Now get this, having the power to control destiny. Wow. I love that. So I'm think about that, though. The way yeah. we've turned it, because people want conformity. Yes. It's easier to yes. rule. It's easier to lead masses that way. So we don't want you controlling your own destiny. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make it a bad thing. Right. That you control your own destiny. 
Right. And, and now yet, we isn't that what, disparage what we all... you for being weird, which is actually like, that's the best freaking thing you could ever be. <laughs> right. And those are the most, those are the most inspiring people. Yeah. You know, it's, those are the Ted talks that we love watching the podcasts that we love listening to the people who have said, I'm going to create my own destiny. That is so insightful. And that explains so much. Ken, thank you. Hey everyone. Adam here, producer speaking a partnership. Karen Rockhine had so much valuable information that we have made her interview into a two-part special. So if you like what you heard today, tune in this Friday for part two of this interview. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.